1: Tiger Style Tiger Style Not Clemson Sports Talk has come back to drive time. Hello, everybody. Lawton Swan back in the saddle once again. 316 Greystone Boulevard. Fast paced, action packed, hurry up, no huddle sports talk programming for you. Fox Sports Radio 1400 in the Midlands around the world on the iHeart Radio app, your home. SportsTalk.com, where I owe several podcast listeners an apology, especially those of you that are premium subscribers to the website, because for whatever reason, I don't know, I've been doing a lot with uh, adding some interns into the show and helping us out, and it has slipped my mind to put those podcasts up. I know they're up on the uh, free feed, which you can get on our website as well, but those premium ones minus commercials, I still got to get, I think, three of them up. It's been a crazy, crazy time. But that's part of the reason I'm adding the interns, so that they can take care of some of those things and you won't have to worry about me doing all of that for you moving forward uh, henceforth. 803-978-1832 is the number, 803-978-1832. Don't forget, you can text us. It's wide open, 803-450-0086. 803-450-0086. And those of you that take part in this program through the text line know that that is the single most intimate way to be a part of the program because not only do I engage with you on the air from time to time with those fantastic messages that you send us, but every once in a while, I'll, I'll, I'll text you back. Like if I don't get to your stuff during the show, I'll text you back. You think Colin Cowherd's doing that? You think Dan Patrick's doing that? I don't think so. So we're taking care of you one way or the other. whether live on the air, live on ClemsonSportsTalk.com you can be a part of this program and again help us grow the end of our special our national championship special uh, it's coming to a conclusion january 31st at midnight we over 50 percent off annual memberships right now to clemsonsportstalk.com just $30.03 get this clemson beats notre dame 30 to 3 and we go hey Let's cut the rate, let's celebrate, head to the national championship. Clemson then in the national championship game, which I watched the field pass version of the game yesterday. I've, I've seen the coach's film room version, now the field pass version, thanks to my sister's uh, recommendation of watching the field pass. I wasn't sure how I'd like it. Ultimately, I, I found that I did. But after trailing 16-14, to 14, of course Clemson, excuse me, after leading 14-13, to 13, Clemson closed that matchup against Alabama with a thirty to three run. Oddly enough, a missed extra point by Greg the Leg Hugel in both games, giving you that odd thirty spot there for Clemson uh, over the final sixteen minutes. Uh, excuse me, over the final what forty four minutes of the national championship game, and then of the entirety of the semifinals. 803-978-1832 that's your number 803-978-1832. Okay, so we'll begin today's program and again William Qualkin Bush will join us in hour number 2 right at the top of the hour. But we'll begin today's program uh, with and I know it was a big weekend for Clemson Tiger football recruiting. I understand that and I'm not going to diminish that by any means and if you want to read more about it you can head over to our website right now clemsonsports.com but I do want to begin with Clemson Tiger basketball, and again, right here on Fox Sports Radio 1400, the Midlands, the home of the Clemson Tigers, for all of you Tiger fans out there. And Gamecock speaking over the fence, uh, the Tigers will take on Pitt tomorrow. Uh, that matchup set for a 9:05 tip at Little John Coliseum. Uh, this Clemson Tiger team right now uh, is in uh, a lot of trouble, and this past weekend's matchup at NC State was a chance for uh, some level of respect to be earned, perhaps. Uh, some level of, okay, we're maybe we're not as uh, bad as some people think we are. I mean, it was a chance for Clemson basketball uh, to answer the bell. And they didn't. And when I say we, I'm talking about them, not me. And unfortunately... The Tigers down the stretch just didn't make the plays for the second time uh, in a row in a road in a big road matchup in conference play. Uh, most notably, Marquise Reed missing four free throws. And what's crazy about Marquise Reed's free throw issues is the fact that you're you're talking about. Clemson's closer, you're talking about the kid that there is no question that Brad Brownell uh, counts on to be the go-to guy. He's got the ball in his hands twice, twice, and misses four consecutive free throws at the end of the game. I I think maybe the best terminology is... And, and perhaps the, the best way to look at it if you are a Clemson fan is, I mean, that's just like a microcosm of Clemson Tiger basketball in my entire 41 years here on earth. I mean, that's just kind of what it all boils down to. It's a, it's a heartbreaking undertaking to be a fan of the Clemson Tiger basketball team. And, you know, for those of you that have followed these guys for many many years, uh, you know this is the consistent theme, and I, I can't remember who I was talking to about this, and and I mentioned this on the air the other day about Brad Brownell and where he is in terms of in terms of you know almost becoming Clemson's winningest head men's basketball coach. And his level of success is minuscule. I mean, he's really outside of last year's run to the Sweet 16. They haven't done a whole lot. They have won conference games. They, they, you know, they, they haven't been the the O for squad that uh, maybe some Tiger teams in the past have thrown up. But somehow, if he, you know, if he's fortunate enough to stick around another season, he's going to become the winningest coach in Clemson men's basketball history. What a travesty. I mean, how how bad is that? I mean, I, I look, I, I shouldn't diminish the accomplishment. But don't you feel like when you talk about the winningest coach in your program's history, you should be talking about, man, remember the great runs we had? And you just... You just don't get that vibe. At least I don't. Maybe maybe I'm jaded. Maybe my my vision is skewed on this. And a couple of years ago, uh, you may recall here on the air, I I was I was I was willing to for Clemson to make the move away from Brad Brownell. And yeah, I like Coach Brownell. We've had him on the show many times. But my job is much like Coach Brownell's job. My job is not to uh, just tell you that this is the good guy because Clemson's winning games and Clemson's not having trouble off the court and Clemson's this, that, and the other. My job is to kind of look at it and go, guys, I don't know if this is the greatest fit. And last year they make this run and you've got kind of this buzz around, will a guy like Zion Williamson come to Clemson? And then that kind of falls by the wayside and Zion picks Duke and then You've got a, a, a senior-laden group returning. And that kind of gives you some confidence. There's talk about maybe uh, Marquise Reed and Shelton Mitchell being the, the best backcourt duo in the ACC and most experienced and on and on and on. But the fact of the matter remains, those two guys just aren't that talented. They're, I mean, they're good. They're just not great. They're not elite. And in this league, perhaps the most befuddling thing That you run into as a Clemson Tiger basketball fan is why can't we land the elite talent? How can a program that focuses, and again, I know a lot of the reason may be because of the focus on football. But how can a program that is building such a national resume and a national footprint not figure out how to bring in elite level basketball talent where does the commitment have to come from what do they have to do I wasn't a huge fan as you are aware of the renovations part two of the of Little John Coliseum uh, they redid it once when I was in school they've now redone it twice Third time's a charm, maybe. I mean, is that where we're headed? But it's definitely a painful, painful existence. Watching the Clemson Tigers, they fall in a heartbreaker, 69-67. On a last-second three-pointer from Beverly, from uh, NC State, just as the buzzer sounded, Marquise Reed falling to the floor in Raleigh. Just four missed free throws in the final 13 seconds. Uh, Really, really let the Clemson Tiger faithful down on that front. Uh, Brad Brinell saying after the game, we played so hard. I thought our defense was outstanding. I don't know that our offense was great today, to be honest with you. I thought we played better offensively against Florida State. But Clemson, give them some credit. They trailed 49-41 with 10 minutes and 40-some-odd seconds remaining in the game. Uh, Marquise Reed and Eli Thomas, who had a good performance, combined to score 10 points. And then I think you had uh, Amir Sims, if my memory serves me correctly, chip in a 12th consecutive point. Uh, kind of guiding Clemson to, a, like a I think it was a 53-49 lead at the time, somewhere in that range to the point of taking control of the game, I would say, up six with 35 seconds left. I mean, those are the types of wins that you, you have to have in this league. Those are the types of wins that that teams with talent and experience and depth shouldn't lose, and it doesn't matter whether you're at home or away playing at a neutral site. Uh, that's an ugly loss for this Clemson Tiger team. I, I would I would make the argument maybe the worst loss of the year for this Clemson Tiger team, simply because of the fact that you had a chance as upperclassmen, you had a chance as guys that have made it to the NCAA tournament to close the deal. And they didn't. And it's a, it's a bitter, bitter pill for everybody, including this. And and nobody feels worse than these players. Nobody feels worse than Marquise Reed. Nobody feels worse than, than Brad Brownell. they know, what the expectations were for this season they know what it looks like now uh, as they continue to struggle in league play falling to 1 and 5 in the conference but the reality of who this team is in 2019 2018 2019 uh, the reality is it may just be a, a bad team they they just might not have the horses to compete in this league and What's unique, perhaps, about it is that you know if you play games out of conference, and they and they do play them in basketball, obviously, but you know it may not be that it's a bad team nationally. But you compete locally, you compete in conference, and 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 if you don't if you don't believe that, just look at teams like Ole Miss or Texas A and M in football. You know that. They're, they're good teams. They play in the SEC West. They got to play Alabama every year. They got to play Auburn, who's good from time to time. Every once in a while, you're catching Georgia across the conference. I mean, and you're talking about playing 12 games. Heck, South Carolina may be a prime example of that in in 2019 in football. Now, I don't know what the rankings will look like come August, but South Carolina right now if you ask me is going to play number 1 Clemson, number 2 Alabama, number 3 Georgia. They're going to play a top 10 Florida team, they're going to play a top 10 Texas A&M team. I mean I I truly think South Carolina will play five teams at the end of next season at a minimum. They will play five teams ranked inside the top 10. So theoretically, South Carolina could go 7-5, and five, not lose a game to a team outside of the top 10. And for our Gamecock speaking over the fence, what does, what does that mean? Well, it means exactly what I just said about Brad Brownell and the Clemson Tigers. Maybe they're not a bad team, but maybe they just play against better competition. Maybe they're just outmatched on a regular basis in the Atlantic Coast Conference in terms of talent and talent. The problem is a game and a loss like the one you saw this past weekend. That's hard to chalk up with, well, they just got beat because of talent. Because here you are, you got Kevin Keats and the NC State Wolfpack beat. You got them down and out. It's over. You know, this is not some WWE run in. You know what I mean? This is not Ole and Arn Anderson. Taking out the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, if you will, to help the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, retain the title. This is the Nature Boy choking it. And Dusty Rhodes hoisting the gold. I mean, that's, that's essentially what happened there. And that's where it gets to be even more difficult for those fringe fans that aren't quite all in the boat. With Brad Brownell already, the "I told you so's," the "yep, I knew it," I knew last year was a was you know was a was less of a uh, trend and more of a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, kind of an accident maybe. And it, it's so frustrating because I am, in my core, a huge basketball fan. I tried to walk on at Clemson when I was in in college. And, I mean, that's the sport that I love. Like, I, I don't know if you said to me, hey, would you prefer to go to a college football game over a college basketball game? I don't think the answer is yes. But I seem to take losses in basketball much worse than I take losses in football. And that that that's even transcending going from being a college student at Clemson through my fandom before becoming a a podcast host and a radio show host who has to sort of take the the you know the orange shaded glasses off and really talk about what I see and and what I see from Clemson it it's it's insanity insanity to me Because I don't feel like Brad Brownell's had a lot of success. And yet he's he's on pace to be the winningest coach in Clemson basketball history. Like, I don't know what's more sad. That it's happened and I haven't recognized that it's happening. Or that maybe it's just happening because Clemson basketball has been that bad for that long. 803-978-1832. You want to talk Clemson hoops, you can. 803-978-1832. 1832. When we come back, we'll take another quick, brief moment to discuss the loss to NC State. And we'll talk a little bit about Clemson's junior day that took place this past weekend. Some big names in town, some commitments for the future in the 2020 class, some big offers going out, all that and more when we return.
0: Welcome back to Clemson Sports Talk. Join the show in the chat room at ClemsonSportsTalk.com. Now
1: that is good old-fashioned bumper music heading back in to break here on the Monday edition. Hope you had a great weekend. They do go fast. That is, uh, that's for certain. Make no mistake about it. I, I've joked here before, but I, I mean this, I think wholeheartedly, man, we, when we, you know, I don't know when the rest of the world like came up with the, uh, the system of work. I don't know when society came up with the five day work week with a two day weekend, but those people were overachievers. I <laughs> count me in for the guy voting for the four day work week with the three-day weekend what were we thinking you know it's interesting because what is a week in the you know in the reality of it all i guess we could have had longer weekends i don't really know how that would have affected the calendar maybe we should have had eight day weeks had three days off i i could use an extra day off i believe you me doesn't matter what time of the year it is either. 803-978-1832 803-978-1832. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Got to go to my great niece's first birthday, Big Tom. That's how we roll. Uh, nothing like the old PJ mask birthday cake. It's the way to celebrate the weekend. All right, so back to the Clemson Tiger basketball game again. 11-8, and 1-5 and in league play. Led by six with just 35 seconds left against number 21 NC State. That win would have been a big one. That win would have been a momentum builder. Now you get a Pittsburgh team coming in the Little John Coliseum tomorrow night, 9.05 right here on Fox Sports Radio 1400. And that kind of becomes and feels like an, another one of those you know, must-win games for Brad Brownell. Like, I kind of wonder, and I'll pose this question to you. Did last season's success put enough in the, you know, did, did, did Brad Brownell deposit enough in the bank for the majority of Clemson Tiger fans to look at this year, no matter how it goes, the rest of the way and say, yeah, but we'll be all right, we'll be back, we'll bounce back. Because I'll be honest with you, it, it, it's kind of scary when you think about what this team's going to lose in the offseason and then really trying to justify what they lose and figuring out where they're going to you know, have the talent to win a lot of games next year. It's a tough job. I don't. I don't bemoan. You know. I don't. I don't want to be dismissive of how tough that job is. But my goodness, the loss that you had this weekend is just gut wrenching. And maybe some of you don't even care. I actually, I'm going to go further and say most of you don't care, and that may be part of the problem. Most of you say Swanee, Tell us about football recruiting. Talk to me about the two national championships in three seasons. And I'm good to go. So, you know, that's that's another aspect or another that's another side of the coin for sure. Is simply the fact that Swanee Climps is a football school. Anything else that happens, yeah, it's not a big deal. I'd like to see baseball win. I mean, these are, this is the thought process of a lot of Clemson Tiger fans. I'd like to see baseball win. I love seeing football win. Uh, Basketball's just there to tide me over. Just something to get me from point A to point B. And maybe that's why they don't win. Maybe that's why it's such a frustrating existence. And I feel bad, too, for those of you that are just the diehard basketball fans. And the reason that I feel bad for you is because I understand your pain.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Haha, in my dentist's office.
1: life in the ACC is not easy. And when you sit there this weekend and you watch and again I I kind of labeled the Florida State game and the NC State game as must-win ball games. And you you watch this team lose a couple of must-win ball games. And the way they lose at NC State, uh, just bitter pill, right? I mean, I don't know if there's a, I don't know if there's another way to say it. Just a bitter, bitter pill for Clemson fans. Certainly for the coaching staff. And last year's run, looking, I fi- I think I found the word during the break, to the Sweet Sixteen, feeling more like a fluke than a consistent uh, landing spot. And I don't know how teams turn it around in basketball, truly. I did start to think about this this past weekend, though, as you're watching ESPN hype the monster, of course, that is the Kentucky Wildcats. And I think about how historic Kentucky's program is. In basketball, I think about how John Calipari, in 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 some respects, is often seen and maybe compared in some ways to Nick Saban, just in terms of his ability to bring in the top flight talent to send these guys on to the NBA and and where they make their millions and millions of dollars and all the big names and first round picks and. Uh, Everything that Coach Cal has done at Kentucky, your, what, traditional blue blood program. Uh, Let's see. Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, UCLA, Kentucky. Sort of your five major programs in basketball. Maybe at the top of the mark for most people. I may have missed a team. I, I, I can't remember, but typically... When I think college hoops, I think Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, UCLA. That's the traditional powers of the sport. And so, you're watching this past weekend as Kansas and Kentucky are getting ready to square off, and they're featuring the you know Coach Cal, and they're talking about his success and going into everything he's done. And one of the things that comes up is somewhere along the way, you know, they say something to the effect of Coach Cows won one national title at Kentucky. And, and all I could think, all I could think, well, you know what? I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to put you on hold because I know we're coming up against a break and I want to get into this and I want you to I want you to kind of digest this with me a little bit when we come back. But when they were talking about Coach Cal and the legacy of Kentucky and the job that he's done and his one national title, it just kind of popped into my head. I thought, "Mm, man, i got to talk with the people on the show that shakes the Southland tomorrow about this because this is something that's kind of sitting with me. So what we're going to do, we're going to hit a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about that. We'll move forward. We'll recap Clemson's weekend uh, with the Elite Junior Day, which took place. Uh, Clemson's staff was in town. I mean, I was talking to Dabo here on the air. If if I'd have known he was coming down to watch a little high school basketball to check out Jordan Burch here in the Midlands, I would have have invited him in studio. It's an open-door policy here for Coach. I mean, I'm all about Coach Sweeney coming in. I'm not going to shoot it down. But I was telling him, I was was giving him some advice while he was rolling through. I didn't realize he could tune us in on the iHeartRadio app or on Fox Sports Radio 1400. When we get back, I'll tell you exactly what I thought watching this past weekend as they touched on John Calipari and uh, Kentucky basketball. 803-978-1832. If you want to get in, we'll get out of the way. We'll let you talk for a little bit. That's the phone line, or you could text us 803 450 0086 and already have a handful of texts to jump on at some point here in hour number one. Happy Monday, everybody out there. Hope you are having a wonderful one here Four thirty-four in the afternoon as you make your way home. tuned in to the iHeart Radio stations in the Midland. This one being Fox Sports Radio 1400. Of course, we have all our sister stations, WCOS, uh, 104.7 WNOK, on and on and on. Places for you to get your fix right here at I Radio. Uh, 316 Greystone Boulevard, I give out the address all the time, haven't had anybody asking for my autograph after the show, I've done the show for nearly five years now, and that's sad, Uh, but we are having a good time, and of course, the website is ClemsonSportsTalk.com and on Twitter, at ClemsonSports, come join the nearly 20,000, maybe 20,000 already, you know what, that would be sad. That would be sad if we've hit that threshold, and I didn't recognize it. No, we are closing in ever so rapidly. So, there we go. All right, so I'm watching basketball this past weekend, and, of course, they were talking about uh, Kansas and Kentucky and uh, the matchup there in hoops this past weekend. Uh, Kentucky getting by Kansas 71-63, the final score but here's what kind of jumped out at me and and made me reflect for a minute because I know we started the show kind of down on basketball and, and, yeah. Coach Cal at Kentucky, preeminent program, bringing in preeminent players, one national title. Dabo Sweeney, Clemson, builds this monster, 10 years, two national titles. Now, I understand. And I and, and I, you know, I hesitate to say this because I know it's not exactly true for a couple of reasons and I'll explain. but I feel like it's probably harder to win a basketball championship because of the sixty four. I'm only going sixty four. I don't care what they do with all that pre just the sixty four team playoff, you know, March madness. I get it. You gotta win what, six games in a row to win the title. So I understand that 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 can be difficult to do. But then you factor in how many losses you can have, and this is where it may be harder to win a a football title. I I don't know which is tougher. In football, you almost have to go undefeated. Maybe you get one loss. There aren't a lot of blemishes that you're allowed. In basketball, you could technically lose every game, win your conference championship, and win six games, and all of a sudden you have a 10-game winning streak at the end of the year. And you're the national champs, so it's a it's a weird weird, weird dynamic. Like you, you can imagine like if Duke if Duke this year had all of their starters injured, all of their freshman stars and everybody, and they had to play all their you know all their GPA boosters. Had to throw those guys in, and they went over the season. And then all of a sudden Zion and those guys are back for the ACC tournament. They you know, probably have the potential to win the 10 games necessary to be the national champ. So uh, yeah, that's a fictional situation, but the question becomes with the losses that you can absorb in basketball, regular season, even in the, even in your conference tournament, you can lose and and still be a part of the, the final deal. I don't, I don't know that we're going to see that all too often in college football. You kind of have to win your conference to be in it. You're going to have to, uh, it, well, I hesitate to say win it because I know that there are teams that don't, but I don't think we've had a team lose their conference championship game yet and get in. I know there were conversations this year about Georgia losing and getting in, but the, the to lose your conference championship game and get in, eh, I don't know that that will happen. I don't know which is tougher. Less games in football, obviously, but you got to win six at the end of the basketball season. To be the champ. But for Clemson and Dabo Sweeney. To have two national titles. And to know that John Calipari. At Kansas. I mean, excuse me, at Kentucky. Simply has one. Sort of a mind-blowing statistic, in all honesty. I mean, it really is. Given what people think of him and what people think of his of his time at Kentucky taking over, oddly enough, in 2009, the same season, essentially, that Dabo Sweeney. I know he came in in 08 halfway through the year, but they've essentially been at the, these schools at the same amount of time. Sweeney's got two football titles. Coach Cal's got one basketball national championship at Kentucky. It, I mean, it really is. It's sort of a mind-blowing deal when you really, really start to think about it. You could text the program, 803 as many of you have. We'll dive into the text line here uh, momentarily. Chris chimes in. He says, hey, man, I went to the national title game. And I just got a chance to watch the broadcast on TV. I noticed something I haven't heard many people talking about. Uh, He said on Ross's long touchdown where the corner got injured, Ross actually broke that dude's ankle with his footwork. He starts to the outside, makes a quick twitch move to the inside with a swim move. The corner tries to recover. and comes down awkward on his ankle and gets hurt. He says that wasn't an unfortunate coincidence. Ross just busted that dude. If he was playing basketball, that would have been a top, play on a loop. Just wanted to throw that out there. Keep up the good work. Go Tigers. That comes to us from Chris. Chris, I mentioned it that I watched the field pass version of this game yesterday and,
0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Or if this happened for everybody. But like right before Clemson's final touchdown, there's like a glitch in the screen. And then it takes me to the regular standard broadcast. And I'm no longer on the field with Levy and and you know those guys. Tim Tebow was down there at one point. Desmond. Mr. Finesse Howard, who was hoping, oh, you could, listen, I, I don't know that there's been a guy more hopeful. And by the way, Desmond, thanks for stopping by com. But I don't know if there was a guy more hopeful that Clemson would get beat by Alabama than Desmond Howard after his conversations. And to listen to him talk about Alabama's defensive front and Clemson's offensive line and, and how Alabama was dominating the line of scrimmage and then to, to kind of see that game play out. But I think it was Rod uh man Gilmore Rod Gilmore who was down there on the sidelines and, and Gilmore was down there during that play and and that's all he was just gushing over Justin Ross and his ability to you know to power with his uh, hands at the line of scrimmage and to, to get into the open field. Yeah, Chris, that was a big play and a big moment. As a matter of fact, I can't remember if I told this story on the air. But my my wife and my nine-year-old were at the game in the stands. And, you know, the whole time, you know, my son, he is nine, and, I, and, and I'm going to tell you, his existence following Clemson football has no recollection of Carolina winning five consecutive games, even though that's the way his life started, and only remembers Clemson being fantastic. You know what I mean? Like the years he remembers, he's talking 14 and 1, 12 and 2, 14 and 1, 14 and 1. That takes him back to being about 5 years old. So he, I mean, that's what he remembers. National championships and college football playoffs. And so the whole way to California, I was like, look, Clemson could get beat in this game. They 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 could win it as well, but if they get beat, they're not a bad team. They're not a bad team at 14 and 1. Alabama, they got beat. Not a bad team. Got manhandled, still not a bad team. And at the half, I texted my wife. I said, "Listen, it was 31 to 16." I said, "Look, don't let Mason get too overconfident about this game because all I could think was Alabama's a couple of touchdowns down. Man, Ross, boom, guy's ankle snaps or whatever happens. Ross in the open field for six at 38-16. I texted her. I said, uh, yeah, y'all go ahead and enjoy this one. <laughs> go ahead and celebrate. Game over. We'll be back.
0: Welcome back to Clemson Sports Talk. Join the show now at 978-1832 or text 803-450-0086.
1: Reintroduce myself, Clemson Sports Talk, Lawton Swan at Clemson Sports, the show that shakes the Southland, shaking it with you here, 447 in the afternoon, heading towards 6 o'clock again tomorrow night, Clemson Tiger Basketball, right here on Fox Sports Radio, 1400-905, the tip set, Clemson and Pittsburgh, ACC action, right here on Fox Sports Radio. 1400 and uh, for the Clemson Tiger men's basketball team and we'll talk with William Qualkenbush coming up in uh, hour number two about 15 minutes from now we'll be on the line with him Clemson boy this is uh this kind of feels like one of those yeah you might want to scoop this one up the Tigers by the way 78.8 percent predictions according to ESPN to win this game Clemson 11 and eight one and five Pittsburgh 12 and eight two and five in league play keep your eye on this game though because when we uh, talk a little bit about the what's the word storylines around Clemson and their success or uh, their lack thereof perhaps I guess, This year is one way to look at it. Keep your eye on Trey McGowan's uh, freshman guard for the Pittsburgh Panthers. Uh, This is a young man out of Piedmont, South Carolina. Now, Piedmont may not stand out for you in terms of, hey, Swanee, where is that? Is that in the low country? That's Clemson's backyard, folks. That's Clemson's backyard. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. McGowan's has been named the Atlantic Coast Conference Rookie of the Week once or twice now. Averages 13.6 points per game, 3.6 rebounds, and two assists. Scored 30 points in a win over Florida State earlier this month. You can't help but think about the fact that there's a kid from your backyard that's not a part of your team. Now, th- these are things that don't help Brad Brownell's arguments for, you know, staying around for people. Because if McGowan comes in the Little John Coliseum, and I'm sure he'll have a ton of 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 fans. I'm sure he'll have a ton of family and friends that are going to roll in. And if McGowans goes off for like 25, 28 points in a Pittsburgh win to drop Clemson to 1-6, is there anything more that could, you know, be rubbed in your face? Hard to imagine, out you know, outside of Zion playing in Clemson against the Tigers and doing the 360 windmill. Fortunately, that was on the road. So you know, little little things like that. Like t- tomorrow night, I don't know who's guarding McGowan's, <laughs> but for Brad Brownell's sake, you might want to shut him down. Like y- if you get beat by Pittsburgh and McGowan's gives him three points, one board, <laughs> not going to bother people. That fella goes off after the way this season has started. As a true freshman. That's not going to resonate well with those uh, Clemson Tiger fans that aren't quite rowing in the same direction right now as uh, Brad Brownell. 803-978-1832. Taking a look out to the text line again. Uh, Shoeless. Wants me to ask Tim Beret. This is interesting. Has any other Clemson quarterback thrown touchdown passes with both hands in a game? Trevor Lawrence threw a touchdown pass with his left hand on that shovel pass to Travis Etienne in the national championship. I like where your head is at on this one, Shoeless, because you know I'm I'm a glutton for, like, nerding out on some statistics. You know, anytime you could get into, like, some weird aspect of sports knowledge. How dare you fill my head with such loathsome propaganda? I'm all over that. That, um, hmm. Now I really got to think. Do I ever remember a Clemson player throwing a touchdown with both hands in a game? Heck could we take it even further? Is Trevor Lawrence the first player to throw a touchdown pass with both hands in the national championship in college football history? That was a little left-handed inside shovel pass. Now that you say that. I wonder, I mean, because for me, you you know, I talked about basketball and playing basketball. I am so much more comfortable and I don't know when this changed. I'm so much more comfortable shooting layups with my left hand than I am with with layups with my right hand, even though I'm right-handed. Sometimes I wonder if I was born left-handed and my parents just forced me the other direction. <laughs> I throw a Frisbee left-handed. I shoot pool left-handed. I can throw a football fairly decent left-handed. Not great. I would not really want to attempt to throw a baseball left-handed. But shooting a left-handed layup is very natural for me. Very natural. I feel like I get higher off the ground. I feel like I finish stronger. I even prefer on the perimeter to give a jab step to the right. Cross back to the left towards the middle of the hoop. I would, I'm, I'm much more compelled to make that move than I am to jab step to my left and then come back across to my right. That, that to me, doesn't feel nearly as natural. But that shuffle pass on the inside with the left hand does feel good to me. And you're right. Shoeless, he threw that with his left hand. I, I would venture to guess. I would venture to go with, yes, he's the only Clemson player to do it in a game. And I would all now again, that little shuffle pass may have given it to somebody else at some point. Like, I don't remember if Taj Boyd had a little lefty shuffle pass. The great thing about that play, though, and the reason you want to pitch that with your left hand is because the play is going to the right. And if you pitch it with your right hand, you're essentially kind of turning your back to the defensive end, giving up the ability to rush the football. Or keep it. You know, when you, if you pitch it with your left, you're keeping your face square to the man coming at you, which makes him be much more accountable for the running back, or excuse me, for the quarterback. This is a beautiful game. Uh, you know, we throughout the year we are critical at times of Clemson's first half offensive coaching adjustments, kind of the slow pace at which they came out of the gates. Dude, they did not come out of the gate slow against the Crimson Tide. I know they you know, had their hiccups there on the, the first possession, but man, when it was third down, I don't know. If, I, I'm not sure if Tony Elliott had a sheet that said stuff that will absolutely work or what. <laughs> but every time Clemson dialed something up on third down. With the Lucky land slot, you can get lucky just about anywhere. For an impressive, impressive game in the biggest of moments. Our good buddy William Qualkenbush on Twitter. is at Qualt Talk. He will be joining us right here on the show. That shakes the Southland Clemson Sports Talk coming up at the top of the hour. We'll talk with him about uh, Clemson Tiger basketball this past weekend. Heartbreak. I'll see if he knows about this uh, potential nugget from uh, Shoeless on Trevor Lawrence. And we may ask him a little bit about recruiting this past weekend. And we gotta update you on some of that stuff. Again, you can get full updates, so ClemsonSportsTalk.com, com. head over there right now and become a premium subscriber to our website. We'll be right back.
0: It's time for Clemson Sports Talk with Lawton Swan.
4: Ready? See!
0: Just call me Swanee.
1: I guess. It is our number two. That's drive time right here on Fox Sports Radio and iHeartRadio. Lawton Swan, man, as soon as you hop into your car every day of the week, we deliver for you here on the show that shakes the Southland as you make your way home. 20 minutes on the Monday edition of the program with William Qualkenbush on Twitter. He is at Qualk Talk. Of course, you can listen to him each and every day from noon until 3 o'clock up on 105.5 The Roar in the upstate. Qualk, welcome in. What's going on, buddy? Swanny, I'm
2: doing great, my man. Hope you're doing well, and I hope you had a great weekend.
1: You know what I love about having you on this program is the fact that for years now, we have introduced the Midlands and this listening audience to you, and now that we're the home of the Tigers in the Midlands, they get to hear you from time to time on uh, calls for men's basketball, for women's basketball. I'm sure you're probably doing some baseball. I, I think that's fantastic, man. I love it. Love your work. You know I
2: appreciate the uh, the platform here, Swanee, because uh, ultimately that's what we want, man. Hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully the folks are entertained because uh, you know it's been a pretty, enter- especially you know the games that we're calling the women's basketball teams got some really uh, they've got some really entertaining stuff. And yeah. So uh, hopefully they'll continue with a couple big home games this week. With uh, oh, you know, top five teams coming to town in a span of three days. Be <laughs>
1: well, honestly, though, who at this point a year ago would have said, hey, you know what? I bet on January the twenty eighth when Qualk and Swanee are. On the air, they'll be talking about the fact that the women's team is actually outperforming the men's team in hoops.
2: Yeah, you know, that's uh, that's not something I would have taken a lot of bets on. I'll I tell you what, if you took that bet, you'd be a really rich man. I'll say that.
1: All right, Quak. So, uh, Shoeless um, sent us a text message earlier. You may remember him from his videos back in the day. Uh, he's a member sure. over at ClemsonSportsTalk.com. He sent me a text message. He wants to know... And you may not know the answer. I'm going to go Tim Buret tomorrow if you don't know. Uh, do you, is Trevor Lawrence the first Clemson quarterback to throw touchdown passes in one game with both hands? The shuffle pass to Travis ETM <laughs> was a left-handed shuffle pass, which may also make him the first player to ever throw a touchdown pass in the national championship with both hands. You know,
2: I've never thought about it, but it makes a lot of sense. That that would be uh, that that would be the first uh, of his kind because look we know two things one Clemson was a an offense that eschewed the passing game until basically the Clinton administration and maybe <laughs> the uh, you know the, the very late Clinton administration like post Monica Clinton yeah I mean that that may be what we're talking about here so I would say there's a, there's a high probability of that the second thing is you got to have some real cojones to uh, to throw the ball with your left hand, except for a shovel pass, which Lawrence did. So I would say that's a pretty safe That that's true.
1: Yeah. How about throwing it after? Because I watched the field pass. My sister, you know, you know, my sister Garnett. She called me last night, yeah. and uh, uh, if you if you all listening didn't know this, Qualk just coincidentally lived with my nephews. They were uh, college roommates. Um, my sister that's calls right. me at like ten o'clock, and she's like, "Look, you got to watch the field pass version." of the national championship game and I thought okay I'll put it on you know I don't know what I'm getting myself into spectacular by the way uh but you know kind of watching that they they were you know kind of all over the fact that Clemson had ran that shovel pass after Alabama had run it on the previous series and failed to pull it off they were like ooh right back at Alabama with the shovel pass I never
2: once thought about that but it's a it's a fair point you know, I'm going to have to go back and look at that cuz I've heard from several people that there was some really good insight on that broadcast yeah. that I just totally missed cuz I was, you know, trying to revel in the Chris Fowler Curb Street Clemson infomercial for the last quarter and a half. <laughs> so, I haven't I haven't actually gone back and uh, studied it like a student. But well, maybe I
1: should. And you you may have uh, you
2: may have given me the push that I needed there. So. Well,
1: listen, Tim Tebow's incredible on it because uh Tebow a- at one point, you know, right the first interception, I forget what he called the the defense, some sort of trap two defense that that um, Brent Venables ran. Tebow, I mean, immediately, in a in a blink of an eye, on the sidelines with no angle to really watch it, goes, I uh, hit him with the you know the trap two defense. He said, uh, Venables. Hit me with that one for an interception when I was the quarterback at Florida facing Oklahoma in the national championship game in the first half. (laughs) And then he goes, and then, you know, yeah, the next statement he makes, Qualk, is, and then later in the game, I beat him right down the middle of the field with a big ball. Of course, on the next possession, Clemson beats him right down the middle of the field with a big ball, and everybody's like, well, Tebow's all over it tonight.
2: Man, how about that? You know, it's funny how the long memories that quarterbacks and coaches have. Like, you know, the Sean McVay, like, what did you run against the Chiefs in 2012? Right. And he's like, oh, you know, I ran this and this and this, and we played this off of this. And you're like, man, I, I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. Um, but the but the photographic memory and the recall that those guys have is remarkable.
1: It really is. And, you know, you sit here today and you look back on, on where Clemson is. I, I made this note for Tiger fans. Dabo Sweeney and John Calipari essentially arrived at their jobs at the same time. Calipari taking over a blue blood basketball program with all of his resume. Dabo Sweeney taking over a roller coaster ride in Clemson. Sweeney now two national championships in football. Calipari just won in men's basketball at Kentucky. Which is hard in your opinion, winning a title in football or basketball?
4: Oh,
2: man. That is a great question because I think it, it depends on what you're. Um, I guess what your strategy is, what your, um, you know, what your model is, because I would say winning in football with Dabo Sweeney's model is, is easier than winning in basketball with Calipari's model, knowing full well that Calipari chose that model. Um, and, okay. and another thing, too, in the, in the postseason, uh, now qualifying for the postseason is more difficult in football, but it's pretty easy. You win all your games. That's not feasible in basketball. So from that standpoint, you have to navigate uh, conference, you know, conference season, conference tournament, conference tournament a lot of familiarity, you know, going to a bunch of hostile places. And then you have to win six games in a bracket that can be either forgiving or unforgiving. You don't really yeah. know. I think for any given team to win a, a basketball championship in a given year, I think is more difficult than winning a football championship at a given year just because of how rigorous the postseason is and because of how many months the season spans. Think about this. September, October, November, you're done with – Uh, with with football okay so that's again you're talking a, a pretty decent sample but that's three months of competition in basketball you have november december january february and then into march and each day is an injury waiting to happen each day is a suspension waiting to happen each day is a is a blossom you know a potential blossom waiting to happen so there's a lot of variance that can take place over the course of a basketball calendar Whereas I think if you're, you know, if you're a football team, it's hard to be like, wow, you know, this team was red hot, and now they're terrible, and, uh, or, or vice versa. So I think because of the ebbs and flows and because of how long the season is and because of how grueling the postseason grind is, uh, I would say basketball.
1: William Qualkenbush here on Clemson Sports Talk on Twitter. He's at Quad Talk. I like to think he steps into his show at noon and, and drops some dimes on Kelly that he picks up here on the show that shakes the Southland on Monday, but perhaps not. Clemson Tiger basketball, heartbreaking loss this past weekend. What's incredible about it is, number one, Marquise Reed missing four free throws in the final 30-some-odd seconds of the game. That's head-scratching. That's been Clemson basketball my entire life. But Reed, who's been your closer to have that happen, uh, makes it even all the more shocking, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, think about
2: Greg Buckner missing four free throws, or you know, Terrell McIntyre's on staff now missing four free throws at the end of a game. I mean, that that's what it is. Now, th- those guys really—I mean, we we don't know if they were ever in that situation or not. And uh, I'll remind people too that uh, Marquise Reed wouldn't have had to just make one. People have said if you just make one of the four, well, no, you lost by two. So if you would have to make three of the four to still win, <laughs> and two of the four to tie. So, it's not quite as simple as people are making it out to be, but I mean, I would say the last 10 seconds were not great. Um, They fouled too early. Um, You know, you put a 50-some percent free throw shooter at the line, but a guy who is a good shooter. I don't know why Braxton Beverly was 58.7 percent coming in. Small sample size, maybe. I'm not sure. But at any rate, uh, you put him at the line. He hits a couple. um, You know, you miss a couple free throws. You allow them to get points at the clock stop, and then. You know, you, you did what you wanted to do in a one-point game, not allowing a, you know, not allowing a drive and a bucket to beat you. You met a guy hit a 26-footer with a hand in his face on the run. Um, that's tough. Uh, I, I looked it up on uh, the Ken Palm website. Uh, Clemson had a 1.1 percent chance to lose at 66-61 with like 23 seconds left or something like that. Yeah. And they lose a the game. Now, what's crazy about the Saturday in college basketball is. There were two other games where a team came back with a lower win probability than that and won. Four of the 21 uh, most improbable comebacks of the year statistically happened on Saturday. Clemson was third. So if you think about it, there were two teams that lost in more heartbreaking fashion than, uh, than Clemson in terms of, of blowing a lead. But, man, it's just, it, it, was, it was tough to lose a game like that where, you know, you didn't make a three, but especially in the last ten minutes, you were outworking an effort team. And I, I don't know if people realize how hard that is to do. I mean, think about outworking Oliver Purnell's Clemson team. Or think about outworking Nolan Richardson's Arkansas team. Think about outworking a team that presses and traps and runs and, and does all that stuff. Yeah, How hard that is to do. Clemson did that on the opponent's home floor with them pretty much at full strength. I don't know if Hill Johnson was 100%, but he played 23 minutes and looked good to me. Um, you know, they didn't get the benefit of the team that Wake Forest played and the team that had taken the floor the last three games without Hill Johnson. So to do all that, to put yourself in position to win and just not be able to do it is really crushing. And the one thing that hurts more than anything else is, one, you've had an unforgiving first part of the schedule. But two, you've also got um, you've got manageable games coming up. But you still have to beat some NCAA tournament caliber teams to put yourself in position to do what I think this team should do and that's play in the NCAA tournament. And so coming down the pike, it's not going to be enough to just win the games you're supposed to win anymore because of the Nebraska loss and the Creighton loss and some of those. Um, and then, of course, the uh, the two losses you just took on the road. But you've got to win now some games that you're maybe not supposed to win, and that's the challenge for this team. Is that it's not enough to beat Pittsburgh. And it's not enough to beat Wake Forest and Georgia Tech. They're going to have to beat some other teams in there. The, you know, the Syracuse on the return of Virginia Tech and North Carolina – in order to feel good about themselves without stubbing their toe along the way.
1: Well and and that's what I was gonna ask you. It it does open up. It feels like it opens up a little bit, but this team has to be in in some respects, and I know I saw some of their posts I think on social media after the game. They seem very positive and upbeat about, you know, where they are right now. And I'm sure the coaching staff is selling them on that. But but where are they you know tomorrow night at ten thirty if they're down, you know, ten points to Pittsburgh for crying out loud at home. You know where are they mentally then moving forward? Because I would think that would be a real blast to the system.
2: Well, yeah, that that makes it tough. I mean, you're you're talking about um, you're talking about a hinge point game right here. I mean, I've called Syracuse a must win in some respects, but not really. It's like a must win asterisk because you know, sandwiched around that game was a game against Virginia and Duke. Right. I've called Florida State a must win because I thought Florida State <laughs> getting matched up better with Florida State than NC State. I thought NC State must win because I thought they had to split those games. But this really is. I mean, I don't even think it's enough to win. I think you have to play well and win convincingly because, it, you have, once again, you left yourself no margin for error. You've got to beat the Pittsburghs of the world. You've got to beat the Georgia Techs of the world, the Wake Forest, the teams that are beneath you. You have to keep winning them all. Um, and you know what? Say what you want about this team. They've done that. I mean, this is not a team that's lost a, you know, a confounding game somewhere along the way. This is a team that's handled business when it's supposed to handle business against teams that it's better than. And so when you face a Miami, when you face a Georgia Tech, when you face a Wake Forest, when you face Boston College or Pittsburgh or one of these teams beneath you in the league, they've been able to deal with it. Um, Georgia Tech, they played well uh, they, against a, a red-hot Georgia Tech team, and they did it by limiting what Georgia Tech had been doing well in that, you know, in that general time frame. So from that standpoint, I would be encouraged about this opportunity against pittsburgh coming up and i would be encouraged about the opportunity to you know win win some games now you've got three winnable games back to back to back yeah after this grueling stretch where you can get right a little bit that's the challenge in front of this team is not to squander any of these and to continue to play well because i mean you could you could argue that even though it wasn't pretty aesthetically that maybe the most pleasing game that they played so far is the one they just played saturday is to seal the deal and get the win
1: you know i go back by the way follow qualk on twitter at qualk talk um and, and I think about something that I mentioned to the listeners earlier. I want to get your vibe on this. Uh, you know, we focus so much on Zion Williamson and you know, what he's done at Duke and, and and how good he's been. But Trey McGowan is another local kid that's a freshman. He plays at Pittsburgh. He's been ACC Rookie of the Week. He you know averages, I think, somewhere in the neighborhood of 13 points per game. Uh, if he comes into Little John and has a big performance, I'm sure family and friends and everybody are going to be there rooting him on. But what – What does that do? Maybe, I don't know, win or lose. Maybe if Clemson wins, it doesn't do much. But, you know, if Pittsburgh wins and McGowan has a big game, that's going to be something that Clemson fans are going to say, hey, dude, Clemson didn't just miss on one kid. missed on this kid as well.
2: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's definitely a concern. Now, I will say this. um, Clemson has a history of bottling up those types of players. Um, When you look at, especially guys who like to put it on the deck and get to the rim, I mean, yeah, they've given up some threes this year, but, I mean, that's kind of been McGowan's game. Yeah. Um, It is a dribble drive, get to the line. He got to the line, what, 20 times or something against, I think it was the NC State game he got to the line 20 times, maybe Florida State, one of those. Um, You know, he's not going to do that against Clemson. They're going to guard him without fouling. And um, so I think it would be difficult to have that type of performance. I think you're right that that would not be great if he came in and basically was able to have his way. With that being said, um, I I'm not sure I would bank on that just because of the type of player he is, yeah. And the types of players that have gone off against Clemson, I, the way Pittsburgh has won has been to get to the line. And again, you're going to have to find a different res uh, you know recipe uh, against this Clemson team because um, you know outside of the NC State game where they foul constantly, you, this is not a team that's played a lot of games where both teams are just living at the line for 40 minutes.
1: Qualt, one final question for you, and I I know you're not the the Biggest guy in recruiting in terms of covering it, and we've got plenty of coverage over on ClemsonSportsTalk.com right now uh, for everybody about this past weekend. Uh, my question for you is this, though. When you, when you win one title in 2016 and and people can maybe look at it and go, hey, you made a play, you had a drive, you had Deshaun Watson. Yeah, that's one thing. This would seem like after another title in the way Clemson handled business against Alabama 44-16, to 16, like one of those real momentum shifts in terms of recruiting. And, and boy, this 2020 group, uh, not this upcoming class, but the next one for those tuning in to the show, maybe has a chance to be the best recruiting class Clemson's ever pieced together simply because of what they've done the past few seasons. Would you agree? Yeah, I
2: mean, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, you know, we're going to constantly be a pest to Alabama. You can come here if you want to have more of a fun time, all that stuff. But what if the fun program also is the one that is the most physical? And what if the fun program is also the one that has the greater chance of success and getting you to the next level and all that stuff? I mean, it is kind of a big deal to be Alabama two of the last three times that you played them in the postseason, and we're seeing that, not just with the bodies that get on campus, but with the guys that commit. And listen, this is never going to be a a program that's going to blow you away with early commitments like some of the others. That's just not the way it works. Um, you know, Davos pretty well said, the, the famous story about, you know, he saw Trevor Lawrence, everybody wanted to offer. He said, nope, I'm not offering until, after- <laughs> you know, until he's a junior. I'm not doing it. Right. So, um, you know, from, from that standpoint, I think you're always going to be a little behind the numbers until the end of the game. But it definitely represents a paradigm shift to some degree because of the players that you're able to bring in and the players that you're able to get committed, um, you know, at, at this particular point in time in the process this is, you know, this is the best class that they've had. Um, you know, when you're looking late January, you know, a year out plus from, uh, you know, from, from signing day. And so you got to look at it as encouraging, and I think it would be wise to look at it as a potential trend. We'll need to see a, a bigger sample size, of course, but um, it's definitely worth monitoring, especially after the weekend they just had.
1: Quat, man. Have a great week and uh, finish up your workout strong, brother. Bring it home, and uh, we'll talk to you again next Monday. Appreciate it, Swanee. Always good to visit with you, man. Yeah, man, thank you. William Qualkenbush, guys. He's fantastic. He is a great follow on Twitter, at Qualk Talk. When we come back, I'll tell you a little story about Qualk. And uh, kind of, I guess you'd say the moment I kind of knew this guy was going to be pretty good at what he does, and he's, he's doggone good at it. I'll tell you when, right after this. Clemson Sports Talk here on a Monday, 523, as you make your way home. Hope you are having a wonderful afternoon. Real quick, before we get to some Clemson baseball news, and we'll talk a little bit of uh, Clemson Tiger football. I, I, I never will forget where I was. I was at my house, and I don't even know what, you know, I don't, Qualt wasn't a roommate at the time with my nephews. That It's kind of odd that they even end up, you know, being roommates and becoming friends while they were in school at Clemson and the whole scenario with both of us being in radio is really ridiculous but I I for, for whatever reason I pulled up WCCp online on my phone or on my uh computer one morning I, I was fixing a cup of coffee it was a Saturday morning uh, it was not football season and all of a sudden there's a local you know young guy doing a show and I it, you know, I don't remember if it came on at eight and went off at ten or seven to nine or what yeah, but it was a Saturday morning And I was not working here at iHeartRadio yet. I was still doing my podcast only. And and I'll be honest, as I sat there listening, one of the things that I really tried to do when I was getting into this business was you know, I think it's good if you're, you know, if you're a carpenter, if you're a lawyer, whatever, you know, you want to learn from people who do the job that you do. And so I would focus on. Uh, Some of the big names in the industry and how did they run their show and what did they do and this, that, and the other. And I was very critical of sports talk radio. Very critical. Still am very critical of radio in general, simply because I think if you're going to put on a good show, you need to be prepared and ready to go. You need to know what you're going to talk about and you need to be able to handle it. And I listen to so many shows where I'm going, oh, wow, it's painful, painful. And look, I'm a guy in the business. There are a lot of painful radio shows out there. Okay. Some of you are going, yep, yep, I agree. swanian and this is one of them, right at the top of my painful list. And that's fine. But I uh I was listening to this kid and I'm like, this guy's actually he's pretty good. And you know, I don't remember if he was saying, ah, oh, my name's William Qualk Bush or whether he was going by Qualk or what. But I just remember thinking this, this, this kid's gonna this kid's gonna do it. He's gonna be pretty good at this. He's gonna be really good at this. And I think he's done a tremendous job with his work at WCCP and, of course, for the Clemson Sports Properties. And you can hear uh, that stuff right here on Fox Sports Radio, 1400. You're home for the Clemson Tigers in the Midlands. Uh, He and his his cohort on the air, Kelly Gramlich, are partners on the uh, basketball calls traditionally for the women's games, and they do a really good job there. So, you know, good good for him because he's a Clemson graduate and he's worked hard and he's, you know, turned – uh, his passion into his job and you know that's a testament to his his work and and work ethic uh, and his dedication to his craft. so that's why we always also appreciate having him on the program because it's an interesting insight. I mean he's a guy that's grown up in the Clemson area, still is in the Clemson area and it uh, gives us a, a unique perspective on all things Clemson eight zero three nine seven eight eighteen thirty two eight oh three nine seven eight eighteen. 32, and don't forget that text line is 803-450-0086. All right, I'm going to come over to uh, Facebook in just a minute and uh, com, where we're streaming the show and check out some of the messages or questions and comments that we uh, may have over there. But congratulations uh, briefly here to Clemson Tiger baseball player Logan Davidson. Uh, Logan Davidson earlier today was
0: in that case, I pronounce you lucky.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Named preseason first team All-America. Of course, the Clemson Tiger baseball team getting set to get underway right around the bend. We had plenty of coverage of that for you last week. Monty Lee, probably 8 to 10 players, videos, and coverage over on ClemsonSportsTalk.com. Logan Davidson, the junior shortstop out of Charlotte, North Carolina, according to Baseball America, uh, was named a first-team All-American. He was previously named a preseason second-team All-American by D1 Baseball and a third-team All-American by Collegiate Baseball and Perfect Game. Uh, the two-time All-America selection has 25, 27 doubles, 27 homers, 87 RBIs, and 116 runs with 20 steals in his first two seasons. As a Clemson Tiger, Davidson's obviously going to be a guy that Clemson will rely on this year, uh, at the plate and in the field consistently. There at his shortstop spot, what a great young man! Uh, actually, uh, at one point, maybe still dates. <laughs> Again, you talk about you know the uh, what's the six degrees or whatever of separation. Uh, Logan Davidson dates a young lady whose grandmother sits behind my family at the Clemson football game. So my son uh, actually sat with Logan earlier this year uh, during the Clemson football game, sat right beside him. And uh, I know that was pretty cool for uh, my nine-year-old, no doubt about that. We'll send it out to the phone lines, though, before we get over to the uh, Facebook and Twitter aspect of the show. Caller, welcome in. What's up?
3: yeah this is Overton's Orange Lawton. How are you uh
1: Mr. Overton's Orange It is good to hear from you, sir. How are you
3: Well, I don't think it i don't think I think you'll probably retract that statement after what I have to say oh uh, yeah i I just wanted to call and officially tell everybody on the air all my fans. That I won't be calling the show anymore, and I just that's all. I don't have much to talk about. I just wanted to know what if you might have some uh out, some uh feedback for that comment.
1: Is now, is this a retirement?
3: Oh no, I I I'm I'm officially retired from from working for anyone. I don't work for anybody. If I need to work, I'm gonna do it for myself or yeah. my family. You know, so but
1: uh this is a full scale, no holds yeah, barred, shut down of the show.
3: Absolutely. Forever and ever and not I mean, just i apologize. I, I just can't I had to do it after you know what you know all the wonderful things we've been through. We
1: had we have been through a ton. We've
3: shared some wonderful times together. We have broke
1: we have broken bread together, my friend.
3: Absolutely, but and it's a shame that I have to put it Put it to an end, but I think it's best for me and you.
1: Well, the fans will miss you, sir. Well,
3: they they'll, they they can they know how to get in touch with me. <laughs> you can, and, and, if, and if they don't know how to get in touch with me, I'm sure you can give them the information to contact. Would me you like me case. to?
1: Would you like me to tweet your phone number? I of course I don't could put it on a billboard i wouldn't care well listen what was your deal about sitting on the billboard before you officially retire from the show you there was something well, that, that well i have that see since i have officially
3: retired from the show and officially canceled myself from the show yes you know that offer is off of the table i will <laughs> not get on the billboard any longer okay no
1: okay well yes, I, I, will, I, I will
3: I will I I gave you that offer for probably four years. I think it's been going on for about four years. We tried yeah. to get that billboard up, but uh I'm not if you get it up, you'll have to get another camper.
1: Well here's here's yet. what I will say. I appreciate all the phone calls. And I if you do decide to return, you're always welcome here on the show that shakes the Southland.
3: Well, I will tell you one thing, I'll give you a little bargaining chip. If, if I'll take this will be the only reason I call back. When you get Brad Brenell gone <laughs> from when you get him gone and we get another head coach in here, I might call back and talk to you.
1: Okay, all right, sounds fair. All right, Double O, man, take care of yourself. Later. Yeah, good to hear from you. Double O's retired, folks. Double O's retired. There may be a shortage on cigars in town. Celebratory Gamecock fans excited that Double O will no longer be calling the show that Shakes the South playing. Love that guy. 803-978-1832. Twitter at Clemson Sports. Be a part of it. 803-978-1832. 803-978-1832. I did see this on uh, Twitter earlier today from Clemson University President uh, Jim Clements. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter at Clemson Prez. P-R-E-Z. Uh, today marks the 56th anniversary of Harvey Gantt enrolling at Clemson, and you know I looked up i I mean i I know who Harvey Gantt was. Obviously, the first African American um, to be a student at Clemson, and I I you know I didn't know what he got into after his time at Clemson, but man, was the mayor of Charlotte. I learned a, I learned a lot about uh, Harvey Gantt. Thought that was pretty interesting, honestly, for you know somebody to make that kind of an impact, and then you know not just be oh well yeah he made the Clemson went on to MIT his architecture I mean on and on and on just uh, tremendous accomplishments, but uh, yeah I thought that was really cool uh, to see that today I I had no idea now I will say and it could have been a typo by. No, okay, so never mind. This was a retweet of something old because there was a uh, there was a post somebody retweeted that said 53 years ago, but it was a, an older post. But still, uh, pretty neat nonetheless. Uh, 803-978-1832. Uh, we talked about this junior day just a little bit here, and again, uh, maybe uh, the biggest news of all were a couple of commitments over the weekend Kevin Swint, four-star linebacker out of Carrollton, Georgia, committed to Clemson while he was in town again in the 2020 class. So not uh, national signing day coming up February 6th. We're talking about uh, next year, possibly early signees in December. It's amazing how this timeline has moved up. But Kevin Swint, uh, who uh, we believe to be a – Kind of headed to Clemson for a while. Uh, did make his decision. You talk about a kid put together pretty well. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, over the past couple of years, I would venture to guess is probably put on somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe 35, 40 pounds. Uh, really starting to to fill out and and look the part of a of a linebacker prospect. And going back and watching that national championship game and seeing Trey Lamar flying all around the field and thinking about how quickly. His career went. I, I thought to myself, "Man, I will tell you what. In, in in Clemson's defense, with the linebacker, or excuse me, with the defensive line as good as they are, maybe the linebackers get a little bit overshadowed. But boy, did did Trey Lamar come on in a hurry. I mean, if you depending on where you look, I mean, he was a five star commit. And I don't know how often we even talked about him being a five star commit, but um, that kid played played so well. As a matter of fact, I think the only player in that class ranked higher than him was uh was Shaq Smith and and you still haven't seen Smith develop into uh, what he might could be and I remember of those two guys I think we projected that Smith would be the first one to really emerge but uh, that sheer size and 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 power and strength that you got from Trey Lamar was incredible and I I don't know if Kevin will have any of that uh, in his system when he gets to Clemson but just kind of On a day where you pick up a big-time linebacker commit, watching that national championship game again and seeing Trey Lamar, I thought to myself, well, that's a a valuable piece to the puzzle. The Tigers also picked up interior defensive lineman Trey Williams. What's most interesting about Williams is uh, he's out of the the, uh, Washington, D.C. area at St. John's College. And which is a high school up there, like a prep school, I guess. Anyway, I would have said to you of the several players Clemson's interested in from St. John's College, not that Trey Williams would have been the least likely to choose Clemson, but I would have thought that he would have been the guy that maybe went about the process a little bit longer. And for him to step in and I and I told you in a preview. Uh, of the upcoming junior day that the last time Williams was in town, I think it was in October, uh, seeing him and his buddies there enjoying the game. uh, Like sometimes you could tell if a player really likes a place. You could just see a sparkle in their eye. You could see a smile on their face. And there are other guys who come in. They're very uh, reserved. He was not, man. He looked jubilant. He looked excited about what Clemson was doing. And and I remember thinking that day watching him, man, this kid looks like he's really, really interested in Clemson. But kind of the more you followed it, it didn't seem like he was quite as far along as maybe he was. And so uh, Clemson adds a four-star interior defensive lineman to the 2020 group in Trey Williams, which was a uh, a big deal. So a couple of – couple of big uh, additions to that 2020 class, which, again, I was talking to Qualk earlier, is shaping up to be one that uh, could be perhaps the best recruiting class Clemson's ever pieced together. And, again, part of that because you've now won two out of three titles. You're not a flash in the pan. You're not a last-second touchdown by uh, Deshaun Watson. Even though Sweeney had racked up wins and consistency and everything and ACC titles,
0: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Second
1: title, and you do it the way Clemson did against Alabama, and you've beaten Alabama in two out of the three times you've faced them in the college football, in the, in the national championship game. Uh, that kind of changes the picture of who you are. One final note I would like to say is that Clemson did offer... Uh, Demarcus Bowman, who's out of, I believe, the Lakeland, Florida area. Uh, Bowman's a five-star running back. The last time Clemson brought in a five-star running back, you'd be talking about Mike Bellamy way back in 2011. And when you've watched all these guys um, like DeAndre Swift and Ty Gurley and and Sonny Michelle and Nick Chubb, on and on and on, you've watched these guys go to Georgia, you've seen – these big five star running backs end up at at Alabama. And and Clemson's kind of been sitting there and look, look, I'm not I'm not <laughs> I'm not dismissing Travis Etienne, okay? We're talking about a guy that put up what like 1600 yards this past year, tremendous on the ground, uh, a power broker per se on the offensive side of the football with the ball in his hands. Uh, tremendous balance, speed, agility. I mean, he's got a little bit of everything that you could want. Not to dismiss that. But Clemson Hatton stepped in and brought in that five-star stud running back. And stars don't always, you know, stars don't always matter, as Hunter Renfro can uh, attest, as Travis Etienne can attest. But, you know, for Clemson to make that offer to this kid who's got another year to develop and just really – Really, if you watch his highlights and we've got them up over on clemson.sports.talk.com, man, I'll tell you what, good looking ball player there. So, uh, just a couple of notes coming out of Clemson's Elite Junior Day. We've got more over on clemson.sports.talk.com for you. And again on Twitter at clemson sports. I, I don't know how we do it. I mean, I really don't. I say it every day. It's part of the reason that I uh, love doing this job is the fact that. It goes fast here on the show that shakes the Southland. And I hope you have a good time with us. We got one segment. We got callers on hold. We'll get to the phone calls. We'll check the text messages again. And we will return for the final segment on the Monday edition. Getting your week going. Getting it going on the show that shakes the Southland.
0: Welcome back to Clemson Sports Talk. Join the show in the chat room at ClemsonSportsTalk.com. What have
3: you done for me lately? It's a fair question. Just don't lose sight of the bigger picture. Don't forget history. Lucky for us at Clemson, the answer to the questions, what have you done for me lately? And what have you done always? are the same. We win.
1: Segment Monday edition Clemson Sports Talk. Glad to have each and every one of you here. Being a part of the program, don't forget you can text us anytime 803 450 0086. You can also give us a call 803 978 1832. Speedy, Gamecock Nation, peeking over the fence. Speedy, what's going on, man?
4: I just told you, man, I just got in the hospital. Uh, you know, uh, you know, when Clemson won that national championship, kind of put me slightly in the coma. Uh, <laughs> oh, Lord. So this, this, what, this, I, I just want to just explain this, you know, to all the Gamecocks, you know. um, You know, God woke me up, and he just told me, he said, you know what? I'm going to bless these mighty Gamecocks and yours. And I said, well, how are you going to do that? And he said, you need to quit. You need to start criticizing your football coach. If you're gonna be part of the positive solution, you need to help them with the problem. So that's what I'm going to do, Swanee. Okay. Uh, get a man the opportunity, and uh, I'm going to be sending him some email letters and saying, you know what, um, you know, we want to win here. We we, we get tied kind of the same mediocrity um, uh, every year. Uh, when you get a coaching staff, you need to get you need to be confirmed with a good. Offensive line coaching staff, a good wide receiver coaching staff, you know, and try to put place, uh, put good coaching uh, on your staff that's going to be there, and not only recruit but be able to have good execution coaching your players. Yeah. Now, if you take a look at your coach, you know, at Clemson, I mean, he brings all he brings all. What, what Dab what made Dabo so great is that he could take the olds and turn it to the Jimmy. See, and that's what really dominate Alabama this year. Because if you look at Nick Saban, right. Nick Saban's staff over the last five years went on to other schools to be a coach elsewhere. Clemson has that, that unity where they like, Okay, we are happy to be here, we got a good job, the, the university is paying us pretty good, so why go anywhere else? Right. See, I'm like I'm like this. If if the if the pie tastes so sweet why, why would you want to taste the other pie out there? So that's how you build your brand. And as long as, long as you got Dalbo there, yep. who's a leader amongst men, I had to put him up there, uh, uh, head of the top number two coaches in college football. And before you know it's funny, uh, this is the question Clemson Tiger fans need to be thinking about. It's going to come down to big money. Now, I'm not saying Clinton's going to have a whole lot of money, they've got money. Yeah. But do they have that Bama money? Do they have that Notre Dame money? Do they have that Texas Longhorn money? You know, that's the kind of money. So, you know, you, you got a good coach. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to have to put him ahead of the man who got the rock name after him, John uh, Howard? Yeah, Frank if Howard. A, yeah. If hey. he if he wins another championship, there's no doubt about top to bottom, he's going to be ahead of every coach including Danny Ford and everybody yeah. else. You can race them off the history books and put him up there forever. You know how hard it is to get a championship? And the last thing I want to say yeah. that, uh, about y'all program, you got, a, you got a good basketball. Little John Coliseum, I've been there five times. That place could get less refined. Okay, it might have been a lot of Duke. You know, it's not that big, but it has a lot of echo, and they get excited. But the problem is, it comes to your coach. I don't care how good you recruit, okay? You can't beat the Dukes. You can't beat the Heels. You struggled with uh, uh, a, a school last weekend when you should have won. And I'm seeing, and you got to give me this, ask me this right here. Like I said to you before, the only coach to take Clemson bas- men's basketball team like Dabo did a football team is Coach Phil Ford. I'm, I'm just going to tell you straight bottom and top. Because when Phil Ford go to any household on the East Coast, he going to say, you know who I used to coach? I used to coach Michael Jordan. I recruited him. Everybody that I used to recruit have played in the NBA. You come here, I can't guarantee you I can get you the NBA. But give me three years. Give me an, SEC, an ACC title. And give me a Final Four and a national championship. And I can get you to the next level. That's what you need. You need a brand that could to your, go to these households, because if I got a son and it's field four coaching, he's gonna he gonna be playing four. Speedy, I got. A, I know what
1: field can do. I got a quick question for you. How how much did Sweeney's second title change for Gamecock Nation? How you see Clemson's program?
4: i will tell you like this right here. It's like being dead and dying again. Okay, there's no there's nothing about. I'm not even upset with Clemson. I'm proud of Clemson. I applaud y'all. I, 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 I'm I glad that y'all represent the Penn Middle State, that y'all can talk about, that y'all are football. Not just in East South Carolina, but on the East Coast. Everybody in the a- ACC, in the in the West Conference, including Florida, by far, they can't even carry y'all jockey straps. I, I, I'm going I'm to I'm keep a real 100. It ain't got to do with school colors. It's got to do with facts right in front of you. Clemson could be the next dominated football
1: team for the next two years. And if
4: y'all got that kid, that quarterback around, yeah. Whoo, yeah. Lord have mercy. I might
1: be back in the hospital again <laughs> All right, Speedy, man, appreciate the phone call. All right, we got one more caller. We'll get to him. By the way, tomorrow we'll talk about uh, all the different suggestions for Dabo Sweeney's Ring of Honor. He's not in it yet, but if he gets there, what's going up there? I'll tell you what kind of one out uh, in those conversations on social media. Caller, welcome in. They hate us because they ain't us. You're so funny, Dave. What? They hate us because they ain't us? They hate us because they ain't us. I've heard that one before. Appreciate the phone call. All right, man. Oh, goodness. Speedy was on a roll. Speedy was on a roll today. That was fun. So tomorrow we'll talk uh, with Tim Bray. We'll also have our recap of uh, suggestions for what would be in Dabo Sweeney's ring of honor. Rumors around the NBA. Could Carmelo Anthony be headed back to the New York Knicks? Could Anthony Davis be headed to my Los Angeles Lakers? And yes, I said my Los Angeles Lakers to join one LeBron James and potentially if things go the way I'm hoping (laughs) <laughs> the Lakers will deal uh, Lavar Ball or Lamar, what's his name Ball uh, Lamelo, Langelo, uh, Lavar. What's the what's the kid's name? I can't even think of it. Lonzo came to me finally. Hopefully, we'll clear that out of L.A. We don't need all that. There's too much going on. ClemsonSportsTalk.com That's the website Go check it out again On Twitter At Clemsons Sports. We're back in 22 hours With more of the show That shakes the Southland Until then As always Y'all take care now And go Tigers
0: It is Ryan here And I have a question for you What do you do When you win